0: one person if I had to Uh, but the word is good and I believe that I've got a message I believe I've got a word for tonight and uh, those that aren't here they'll be able to get the cd or listen to it online or whatever and be just as refreshed from it amen that's the great thing about God's word Exodus chapter 25 and look at this in verse 8 it says and let them make a make me and let them make me God speaking a sanctuary. Why? That I may dwell among them, according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings. Just so you shall make it. Let me give you a little follow. Let me tell you where we're at here. Uh, God is speaking to Moses specifically. And he has just brought out the Israelites out of a land of suffering, out of a land of slavery, out of a land of desolation. And they were under the rule and reign of another country that was putting them down, putting them under. And God sends Moses in to deliver his people out of four hundred and thirty years of slavery. Goes in, draws them out and says, I'm taking you to what? A promised land, the land that's flowing with milk and honey, a land that I promised to your forefathers all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the way down the line. And now here we are over 400 years later, and God has just brought them out. And he starts off in verse 1, and he says this, we might find this kind of offensive, but God tells Moses, remember, he's talking to people that just came out of slavery, that's never had anything. Their parents haven't had anything. Their grandparents haven't had anything. Their great-grandparents haven't had... They've been in slavery for over 400 years. You're talking generations and generations of slavery. That's all these people have known. And the first thing God says when they get them out in the wilderness is, Give me an offering. (laughs) He takes up tithe and offering right there in the middle of the wilderness... And he doesn't just ask for, you know, a dollar here, a dollar there. He asks for good stuff. Bring me all the gold and all the silver. See, what happened was uh, when God brought the Israelites out, they left with everything that the Egyptians owned. They left with all the spoils, all the good stuff. So they're not just going through the wilderness, you know, ragtag and poor and barely making it. They've got good stuff. They've got the best of the cattle. They've got the best of the food. They've got the best of the jewelry and the the precious jewels. They have them. And so God immediately says, take up an offering. Why? Because I want to build a sanctuary for me. And look at that again in verse 8. He says, I want to build myself a sanctuary. Why? Because I want to dwell... Among them. What's he saying? I'm trying to find a way to access earth and get to be with my people. Why? Because separation took place. A a, a God, a creator that created his most prized possession, has been cut off due to sin. Due to the serpent that got man off, man, uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed the word of the king. They ate of the fruit and immediately a separation took place. A God that once walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, now all of a sudden can't have that communication anymore. He can't even put his spirit in the earth. You get over to Genesis chapter 6 with the story of Noah and he said, wickedness is so widespread, it's gotten so bad down there. I have to pull my spirit out of the earth. I can't even be in the presence of mankind any longer but now he's saying here now i've got my people out of slavery look we all came out of darkness we all came out of slavery colossians says that we have been conveyed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son we've come out and now god is saying i want you to build me something that i can live in now I've never built a house, but I can imagine if I was going to have a house built. That. And more so my wife than me, she would have details and have a list of what she wants. I mean, if it's limitless and you're saying we'll build you whatever you want, you just name it. Whatever size kitchen you want, whatever appliances you want, whatever kind of tile you want, whatever kind of crown molding you want to put in there, what kind of fixtures, what kind of countertops, you, you, you just choose. Oh, man, we're building a house. Come on, everybody here wants to build their own house. Why? Because you live there. You don't want to go into a house that somebody else built according to their specifications, and they're not your specifications. Right? And say, "All right, I built your house, here you go. Well, I don't want that kind of refrigerator. I don't like this tile. I hate carpet. Why'd you put carpet everywhere? I want hardwood floors. I don't like tiny windows. I want floor to ceiling windows. I mean, you would start coming up with a list of things you would change. Why? Because it's Your house, so you should get to pick the details. And so God here is saying, I want you to build me a house that I can live in and be with you. I want to be in your neighborhood. I want to be right there with you. I want you to be able to come see me, and I want to be able to come see you anytime. That's what he's saying. So build me a sanctuary. And so Exodus chapter 25, 26 And 27, we start getting very detailed. I mean, if you didn't think God was specific about stuff, read these chapters. He's got exact dimensions. He's got exact materials. He's able to tell us what's going in. He's able to tell us what the outside looks like. He's able to give us all the defining terms of what this house is. This sanctuary, this assembly is supposed to look like. He's very detailed. And he says this if you build it to my specifications, I will live in it. Well, that sounds pretty simple. He tells me how to build it. I build it according to his specifications, and he will come live in it with me, and dwell with me, and hang out with me. That's all it takes. The title of my message tonight is build to suit. What does that mean? Whatever you want to do with it, you determine how it's built. And so God is saying, I have a a sanctuary that I want built, and I want you to build it the way I tell you to build it. And if you build it that way, I will come. Right? If you build it, they will come. (laughs) He's saying, if you build it, I will come. It's that simple. Everything you need, everything you want from me, it will be yours if you build this house, this sanctuary, this tabernacle to the specifications. Look at Exodus chapter 26, verse 1. And I'm going to read a few of these verses, and I just want to show you the detail that God gives. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen and blue Purple, scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim, you shall weave them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the width of each curtain 4 cubits. Every one, of the cute, every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain on the selvage of, uh, of one set. And likewise you shall do on the outer edge of the, uh, the other curtain of the second set. Fifty loops you shall make in the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make... On the edge of the curtain, that is, on the end of the second set, that the loops may be clasped to one another. And you shall make 50 clasps of gold and, cr- and couple the curtains together with the clasps so that it may be one tabernacle. Are you seeing the detail? He's not just saying, he's not just giving colors. He's not just giving, uh, you know, Just find me some nice curtains, go down to Bed Bath & Beyond and find the best you can. No, he's saying, he's giving specific parameters for the construction. And we're just talking about the curtains. (laughs) You thought you like curtains. He's telling you exactly how many should be and what makes a set. And it should be on this side and this side. And then they should have this many loops and have this type of thread and these colors. I mean, he is not sparing anything. He's going all out. And you could read this all the way on through. 20, all the rest of 26, he tells you what type of metals. He tells you what type of woods. He gives you all the different direction and instruction to build whose house? His house. And since it's his house, he gets to determine what it looks like. So look at this real quick. There's, there's four things I want you to see in building the temple of God. Number one, God has a purpose for building the tabernacle. What was the purpose? So that I can dwell in it. So I can dwell with you. I want to dwell in the house with you. I want to come down and be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be in your midst. I want to be in your presence. I want you to be in my presence. So I'm going to build a temple for this purpose so that I can dwell among them. Number two, God asks for the best stuff, not leftovers. God ain't going to garage sales to try to find the stuff that he's going to build his house with. If you go through and you look at the list there in Exodus chapter uh, 25, where we were reading, we started with verse eight. But if you start reading with verse one, he's asking for gold. He's asking for silver, the best linens, the strongest trees. He's not running around garage sales and and trying to, you know, he's not hitting Dollar Tree and Dollar General. I mean, he's doing the high dollar stuff. He's finding the best stuff. And guess what? He made it right he made all of it so he can pick whatever he wants. This is his house. Number three, God describes what it's supposed to look like on the outside. God tells us what the outside's supposed to look like of this temple. What does the outside do? It shows, look, your house speaks about you. The house speaks about the owner, and so the outside is what everybody. Passing by, sees. And the outside of this house should look so great that it gives glory to the owner of the house. The one that lives in it. I mean, when you drive by a nice house, you're thinking, man, that owner, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to take care of the yard. Look at the material that he used for this. Look at how they formed this. Look how they built this thing over here. It speaks about the owner. So he even tells us what it should look like on the outside. And then one step further, God determines what is supposed to go on the inside. Now He even keeps, uh, goes on down. If you get over to uh, chapter 27, he starts talking about the altar of the burnt offering. He talks about the priests, what they should be wearing when they enter into the tabernacle. He talks about how I want the the, the first area to be the holy place. And then even in the back, there's going to be the holy of holies. And then you're going to put the Ark of the Covenant back there. He's even telling us what belongs inside the house, not just building the house, but he's also telling us how to furnish it. What it should look like on the outside, but also what, should, what uh, it should contain on the inside. And even this, he also tells us what doesn't belong on the inside. You go and you read about the priest and uh, you learn about the priests. They The robes that they wore when they went into the tabernacle, they had to have bells on the bottom of the outfit that they wore. And they also tied a rope to their foot. And if there was any sin in the priest when he entered into the Holy of Holies, he would die instantly. So as long as they heard the bells going, they knew we're good. If that stopped, we got a problem. And they can't go in to get him because then you're just going to pile up a bunch of dead bodies. I can't even go in and save you. I can't even get your body out of there because I got sin in my life. And you're the only one that could do it. So they tie a rope to his foot and they'll drag him out. This is how serious God is about his house, his sanctuary. So God has a purpose for building the tabernacle. He asks for the best stuff, not leftovers. He even tells us what it's supposed to look like on the outside. And then he also determines what goes inside and what doesn't go inside. Now look at 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 6. We've gone through King Saul, King David, and now King David's son, King Solomon, is king. And in verse, chapter 6 verse 1 says this, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, In the fourth year, why does he denote that? What's he saying? 480 years after they built me a tabernacle in the wilderness, I'm now asking you to build me something else. The first time you built me something, because what did he say over in Exodus chapter 25? This is the pattern. That means it should be, anything else that you build me should be modeled after this. Every detail, every description. What's he saying? The, the the emphasis and the focus and the attention that I gave to building a tabernacle, I'm about to give that to having this temple built. That's the pattern. And so he's referring back here. 480 years later, in the year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he began to build the what? House of the Lord. And the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width was 20 and its height 30. And we go on down throughout this chapter now and we're getting, again, details. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the details. But again, we're seeing God knows exactly what his house should look like. And he tells us, To build it that way. Look on down to verse 11. King Solomon, or the word of the Lord came to King Solomon. Watch this. The word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you. Which I spoke to your father, David, and I will what dwell, reside, live in among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people, Israel. If you build it the way that I've told you to build it, if you give attention to all the details that I've told you to give attention to, if you have uh, uh, watched all the parameters and lined everything out. I will come, I will perform my word, and I will dwell with you. The same purpose. Build me a place that I can live in and follow the parameters just as I give them to you. Follow the directions just as I tell you. Look at First Kings chapter 8. Go over a couple chapters. It describes how it was built. Even there in in chapter 7, he starts talking about the furnishings, what's going inside. Again, he's got a purpose for building it. He tells us what the outside should look like. He tells us what should be going inside. He tells us what shouldn't be going inside. And once again, he is asking for the best. Solomon had rooms in this temple that the floors were lined with gold. Sparing no expense. Going all out. First Kings chapter eight, verse 10. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. God did just what he promised. He came and he visited the house that Solomon built for him. If you build it, I will come. The glory, glory is not a cloud. Glory is not some substance that starts falling from the sky. Glory means presence. The glory of the Lord filled the presence of the Lord. And what does that mean? You know, sometimes we get churchy with these terms, but presence means I'm just with you. That's what that simply means. I am with you. I'm here. You're in my presence right now. We're in Chase's presence. I'm in your presence. You are here with me. And when God shows up, there's an expectation that shows up. And I want to tell you this. Today, I'm not talking about how the church is supposed to be built as in this building. I'm not here to start going into detail of uh, how we should line the carpet and what the parking lot should look like and what type of ceiling. We're not talking about that. Because God built, God had man build him a tabernacle in the wilderness. God had man build a temple 480 years after that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. God is trying to get into the earth. He wants his glory with us. What does that mean? He wants his presence with us. And look what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. Do we have temples today like they did back then? No, we don't have, you know, a big temple, especially the way that it was built like that. Maybe in other countries they still have temples. But God is shifting something. And look what he says in verse 16. Or do you not know? Wait, what verse do I need? Start with verse 15. Yeah, we got to back up verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Your bodies. He's talking about your body, our flesh, you and I. This is a house. He goes on down in verse 19. Do you not know that your Body, not only is it a member of Christ, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is what? In you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, what's that word? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are gods. Watch this. God is still building temples today. And he's not building them of wood and fine linen and gold and silver. He's using you and I to come live in and make his presence known to us individually. See, before Jesus came to the earth, before he died on the cross, before he rose again, man did not have access to God. So God had to have a sanctuary, a tabernacle, a temple to come and be in. But there was only one person that could go in and be in that presence, and that was the priest. And he had to go on behalf of the people. But Jesus came, he died on the cross, and if you remember, the moment he died, the curtain of the temple was torn into, what? Giving us access to him once again. God is still building his temple today. Now, it would be hard for me to believe that God would be so descriptive in building a tabernacle and be so focused and give so much attention even to the smallest of details in building a temple and then make us his temple and just say, it's okay, it can look like whatever it wants. No parameters. Just, you just got to say the prayer and I'll come live in you. I mean, remember, he told Solomon, if you execute my ways, if you build this thing to suit, if you build this way, uh, build this thing just the way that I tell you to, I will come. I will make my presence known to you. I will make my word revealed to you and come to pass in your life. This is what I will do. I will dwell among you if you build it like this. And now we get to us, you and I are this temple now. God is still building his temple in the form of you and I, but he still has parameters. He still has a way that he wants his house built. And we've got to be careful that we don't build the house the way we want it to and then invite God to our house. Because look, I might come to your house, but I might not be real comfortable. It might not necessarily be a place that I want to live in. I'll come visit and hang out. But here's the question. Do you want God to just come visit you or do you want him to live with you and in you? That's two different things. I may visit one house, but if I'm going to live there, I'm going to have to make some changes. I'm going to have to get it to my specifications and he's saying I'm building my temple you are that temple but I am laying out the parameters go over to 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 the next book over and we see this term again 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God, that's you and I, with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You are the house. You are the sanctuary. You are where he wants to make his abode. God doesn't live here. You've heard me say it many times, this is just four walls with some windows and some doors. This could be an office space. People could deal drugs in here. They could do whatever they want in here. It's a church because we come here. It's a church because the church comes here. But when we're talking about the temple of God, you are the temple of the living God, Paul is saying. Look what he says here. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? What's he doing? He's quoting the Old Testament. God has always wanted to have communion and relationship and fellowship with his people. And now he can have the greatest fellowship that he's ever had. Even greater than Adam had. Because God did not live inside of Adam. He hung out with him and walked with him. But now, you and I have it even greater than then. then, God lives in us. Therefore, remember we said this on Sunday... Therefore, when you see that word, it is there for something. It's there for a reason. Therefore means I've got to look back. Since he says that he wants to dwell with me and walk with me and and he wants me to be his people and he wants to be our God. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And this thing carries right over into chapter 7. Look at verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved... What promises? That if we build it, he will come. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God has a purpose for his temple. He wants to dwell in you. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to get on your hands and knees and pour your heart out and say, God, I want you to live inside of me. I want you to be. He wants to live inside of you. That is his desire. Number two, he's asking for the best. Just like he asked for the best in the natural, he's asking for the best from us. He doesn't want leftovers. God, I I got 30 extra minutes here. I I, I can't, sorry God, I I couldn't get you in today, but tomorrow, tomorrow I'll, I'll give you. No, he wants the best. He wants the best time. You know what I hate? Is when I'm, when I'm setting aside myself to read the word, but it's not the best time, and I'm so off focus. Look, bottom line is if I'm reading the Bible and I'm not focused on what I'm reading, I'm not getting anything. But God wants the best time. God wants your most alert time. He wants that first hour In the morning. God wants the best, not leftovers. Don't give, don't put garage sale furniture in God's house. He wants the best. Next, he tells us what we should look like on the outside. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into all of it. But we know, we've heard the fruit of the Spirit. You can can say it this way. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's almost like what God told Moses when he said, now the curtains need to be like this and they need to have five to this and, and they need to be wrapped like this and they have, need to have this kind. Of... That's how descriptive God is. What's he saying? On the outside of you? Because that's fruit. Fruit's not on the inside of the tree. Fruit's on the outside of the tree. And he's saying, love, joy, peace. That's what I want the outside of my house to look like. And remember, what does the outside do? Gives glory to the owner. Love and joy and peace and patience is not for your glory. It's for his glory. When you operate in the fruit of the spirit and you're decorating the house according to his standards, God will get the glory. Isn't this awesome? Then he tells us what should go inside the house. He says, think on these things. He says, watch your eyes and your ears. Don't allow just anything to come in. Right? He says, abide in my word and let my word abide in you. What's he telling us? He says, this is how I want you to furnish my house. And what's the promise? What's the promise if I understand the purpose for the temple? What's the promise if I give God the best and not leftovers? What's the promise if I decorate the outside the way he tells me? What's the promise if I furnish it on the inside the way he tells me? That he will come and live in the temple. That's why he says here, glorify me. That I may be glorified. What does that mean? That people should know God lives inside you. That's what glorified means. That means that I'm living in such a way that shows people God lives in my house. God lives inside of me. God has made his abode, his residence. This is where he lives. This is where he resides. And people on the outside know and they give glory to God and they realize you. You have God living inside of you. God is still building his temple today. God is still laying out the parameters and the directions for his temple Today, God is still outlining. This is what I want it to look like on the outside. God is still telling us this is the kind of stuff I want you to put on the inside of your house. I want you to build a house for me to live in. And I will perform my word like he told Solomon. I will come and live inside. My glory will fill your house. Look, where the glory of God is, there's no worry and anxiety. Where the glory of God is, there's no fear. Where the glory of God is, there's no hate. Where the glory of God is, there's no poverty or lack or barely making it. When the glory of God fills your house, everything that He has, everything He has. You need peace, you need God to fill your house. You need love. You need God to fill your house. You need uh, uh, prosperity. And you need encouragement. You need God to fill your house. Be glorified in your house. But you have to build to suit. Father, I pray this evening that we come to understand the parameters, the direction, the guidance, the instruction that you want for your house. This is not our body to do whatever we want with. Well, I'll just watch whatever. It's my. This is my life. I can listen to what I want to. This is my life. I can watch what I want to. This is my life. I can hang around whoever I want to. No, this is your house. And so as you direct us, and as you instruct us, Father, I thank you that we will be obedient. We'll furnish the house properly. We'll decorate the outside of the house the way you tell us. Because, Father, you want to fill our lives. Father, if you can fill our lives, you can fill the earth. If you can fill this house, you can fill everywhere we go. When we go to our jobs, you go. When we're around our lost unsaved family members, you're around them. Because we take your presence, we take your glory, we take who you are everywhere we go because we have built a house worthy for you to live in. Father, I thank you tonight that we begin to see this and receive clarity on how to build the house according to your standards. We strip ourselves we sacrifice. We give up what we want in our house to put what you want in the house. And I think that you'll honor them, and you'll visit us and you'll live with us. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus name. Amen.